Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Purple Noon, a podcast. I'm Stephanie Conti, and I am here with my little Carol Ann Freeling to <laughs> The Beast. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the only comparison I could make. That was the only one I could make. But nonetheless, here is Savannah Lanause. Hi, guys. How are you? I got something to say, actually, very quickly. This is oh. with the podcast. Okay. I want to say um, I'm just happy. Do you watch The Crown? No. Okay. So let me just say, season four, they introduced Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. And everybody has beef with the royal family now, including me. What? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we literally, I had just said like, hey, I'm going to talk about maybe like telling people subscribe and stuff like that. What What do you mean you have beef with the royal? You could have, you could have prepped me. You could have prepped me and been like, hey, I have beef okay, with the royal family. I thought you watched The Crown, so I thought you would have hopped on. But I really But no, like they really did dirty to die. They really did done did dirty to die. Honestly, Prince Charles better count his days at this point. <laughs> and that's a threat. Oh Everybody, do you see their their Instagram page? No. Look at their Instagram page and look at pictures of Prince Charles and his new girl, whatever, whatever her name is. All the comments say Diana forever. And you wanna know the funniest thing? It's from the Americans. Oh, of course. We are just, I, I just like how this country is emotionally invested in another country's royal family. That's so crazy. The Man, that's so, so weird. That family is Harry and the kids. Actually, just two of the kids. The other one, he can, it's fine, but he has to be quiet. Or I'm going to soccer kick him. You know what that vaguely, you know, okay, so I sent you a video from a favorite YouTuber of mine named Markiplier where he made like a whole hate video against Del Monte. And you know what? I went on Del Monte's Instagram page. Who knew, first of all, they had an Instagram page. And second of all, the comments on all of them were like, if you don't give Marky his sponsorship, we're coming for you. <laughs> like, it was, it was wild. So one, if you haven't seen that video, watch it. And then please, because in the video, he goes, screw Del Monte, hell yeah, to uh, Green Giant. So then literally, I went to Green Giant's, you know, their page. And then, like, when I say hundreds and hundreds of comments, like, them saying, like, you know you have a YouTuber who loves you. You should really sponsor him. Like, full, like, it's like a full-on war between Del Monte. So if you have nothing better to do, please watch that video and go look at the comments. It's so good. Yeah. It's so crazy. But I, I think that's so funny, too, like, with the, like, with the Americans. Like, because it really is, like... America and like obviously obviously people uh, uh Britain has their own little fascination with like you know the royals but there's like this little niche community like in America like it's like those people who collected the beanie baby like the De princess diana beanie baby oh, like yeah. the people who were obsessed with that people are just very like I don't know about your parents but my mom was like emotionally devastated when princess diana died and I found was that everyone? <laughs> I feel like everyone here. was. Like all everybody's like moms equally mourn for Princess Diana. So she's a very big deal. I understand why she's very very big deal. She was a saint. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I just want to say that's, that's all I wanted to say. I'm just happy that everybody has beef with the royal family now. I'm, I'm really happy that you got, you had the opportunity to get this off your chest so publicly. I feel like you really needed that. I did. So I'm very happy for you. He doesn't care. He doesn't watch the crown. So this is my outlet. God, I'll have to start watching The Crown. I've always like looked at it and been like, "Ooh, that looks interesting." And they have gotten like some really nice, cool actors. And like I've seen like the actress who they got. Like I, I love looking at all like the comparisons between the actors and who in their real life counterparts and stuff like that. So I think they did a phenomenal job with casting. So I'll have to give it a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So. By the time you guys are listening, okay, first, before I start talking about Thanksgiving and all that nice stuff, if you are listening and if you are on YouTube, dude, I look at the analytics. Why are you not subscribed? We've been getting killing killer views. And you know what it says? 99.9% of you aren't even subscribed. Come on. It Why? helps us out and it's free. You can turn off notifications. You don't need to ring the bell or anything like that. Just subscribe. Do it. Yeah. Don't be lazy. Do it. Shout Do it for a good cause. Do something. Give thanks to me. Purple <laughs> Give thanks to Purple Noon this season by subscribing or by checking out our Patreon. Yeah. But anyways, so by the time you listeners will be hearing this, it'll be the Sunday after Thanksgiving, hopefully, if editing all goes well and whatnot. Um, but Savannah, let me ask you, what I'm not gonna ask you what are you thankful for? I know. I know. I'm gonna ask you what you look forward to with the foods and the meals during Thanksgiving. Well, this Thanksgiving is going to be a little different because I'm not with um, my parents or my like my actual family. I'm with my in-laws this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to expect, actually, for this Thanksgiving. Oh. But usually, um, I really look forward to the Puerto Rican food. Um, right. Like, okay, but like, how Puerto Rican? Like, are you like, ooh, white rice? Or are you like, mmm, pernil? I like pernil, yeah. Ah. And I like the, I like rice. The rice, my grandma's rice is bomb. Rice is amazing. Like, it, it's really tough to make bad rice. So like, I always, that's that's a good staple to have anywhere. Yeah, so I always look forward to that. And then desserts, obviously. Do you have a favorite dessert? Um, not specific to Thanksgiving. I mm-hmm. really enjoy a good cupcake. You know this. Oh, yeah, of course. I really like cookie sandwiches. So, like, um, oh, yeah. There's just one specific one that's cream in the middle, chocolate chip cookies that's also dipped in chocolate. Ooh, that sounds good. Like 500 calories, but whatever, you know? Yeah, whatever. It's not like it, it, you, and plus, those, they usually make those things so freaking fat. Like, they're so dense and heavy that you only need one to feel good. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm good. That's what I like. Um, I think so me and my boyfriend, cause he's, uh, coming over this year for Thanksgiving and it's just going to be him and my parents. We are very anti Thanksgiving. Like we don't like the traditional foods. So what we're doing is I bought a fallout. I bought a video game cookbook and we're just having foods that were available in the video game. So the video game is fallout, um, fallout four specifically. And so we're making, in the cookbook, it's known as like a deathclaw roast, but it's really just pork belly or pork sirloin and like a little like teriyaki sauce. It looks so good. Um, And then we're making our own little sodi pop. 
That's so cute. Very excited. And not like, oh, we're going to take Coke and we're going to take Sprite and we're going to mix it. Like, no, we are making the syrup, like cola syrup. So it's legit this year. That's exciting. You have to tell us how it turned out. I will. I will. I will be posting pictures most likely on my Instagram. So you can always follow at Larissa De Conti. Um, and also follow Savannah too. Just follow us. Just support us. Just give us some love. We're not annoying. We need the attention. We don't post all the time. We're not annoying. We need the attention. Come on. But um, we're not political. On. <laughs> That's oh, one of the beautiful things. We're not political it. either. <laughs> we're not. We're not going to spam you with political facts or non facts. Whatever you know, it's a safe space. So don't worry. You're just get away from all that stuff. Fun movie content. Some Christian content for me. You know. It's fine. Uh, mine will just be some movie stuff. Maybe the occasional dank meme if you're in my top friends list. <laughs> but um, yeah, or just me talking about that monolith in Utah. <laughs> that was really scary. I don't like that. Dude, do I, who do you think did it? Who do you think did it? I have a, I have an idea. I don't know. Who has the I think, it's, I think it's the Scientology. <gasps> who else? That's such a very Scientology thing. Like, let's be honest. You think Putting a, like a metal pillar in the desert. It's Tom Cruise. Like a statement? Is that what's happening? I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know if it's just a statement. I don't know if it's something where it's like an action. You know that's going to become like a worship site now, right? I don't like which that. Is, which is actually going to be crazy. I don't know why. I just thought of like, do you know the movie, Dude, Where's My Car? Yes. That's <laughs> It's just gonna be like a cult of nerds just praising over Stanley Kubrick. I mean, crap, I join. <laughs> I mean, like, well, honestly, that would be a fun thing to see, though, right? I'd go see it. Yeah. But I mean, also, could you imagine being a part of the helicopter crew that discovered it? That is, especially if you've seen the movie 2001, that's really creepy. Mm hmm. That's. I mean, like, it's cool, but it's also, like, sus. It's really sus. Because <laughs> it's like, we don't know what the intention is. Somebody had to do that without, like, anybody seeing. How did that? But also, I think it's still there because they can't move it. Yeah. Like, it's a heavy thing. If anybody like, I, I, on this, please talk to us. Oh my god, can we get can we just do a whole episode about like the monolith conspiracy and get like a bunch of believers and non-believers and stuff like that? That would be so much fun. Yeah. Just talk about the monolith. But um okay, let it get into it. So which one are we starting with again? Uh the 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 fringe one? Yeah, our fringe Varda. Mm -hmm. And uh since Savannah does not want to butcher the title, I will gladly butcher the I've, title. I've enough for the French language. That's already on this podcast. <laughs> and so, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> you, hello. Uh, but I will say the title for Savannah, and the title is Les Three Boutons. Okay, so this is an Agnes Varda film. It came out in 2015. It stars Jasmine Thire, right? That's yeah. Dire, yeah, I'd say Dire. And the synopsis is a billowing pink dress trans transports a teenage girl from her farm into an anti Cinderella fairy tale in this feminist fantasy. Wow, that's a great little. Wow. 
What'd you think? So this film really deviated from where I thought it was going. Cause like from pictures and everything like that, it kind of seems like it would be a fairy tale, like a, Oh, like dream little girl, you can do anything. But instead it, it took like, like they say, like the anti fairy tale route, but it was still like, Hey, like you can do what you want to do just without the fairy tale part. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought it was. And I, I do think that the director kind of made it her own. Like, it's very unique. Um, Even, like, the sequence of events. I don't know if you caught it, but it was just very different. Yeah, like, it, like, and there was, like, different aspects, a lot of different aspects involved. Like, it wasn't just a girl in a dress. Like, there was also parts where it was, like, there was a tattered dress. There was a farmer involved. There was, like, a bunch of, like, congregated schoolgirls and stuff like that. Like, it really kind of, like, touched a lot of different aspects of life. Definitely. And I think the whole, was she, do you know if she was trying to go for like a feminist Cinderella? Like yeah, I, I, I think so. Like an actual realistic version of, you know, Cinderella. Cause like Cinderella, you know, the little backstory was that she was like a little, you know, work for, she was kind of like in the same position, like on a farm and things like that, yeah. like similar, not the exact same. But yeah, and I think like the whole point of it was like, you don't need a pretty dress. You don't need a, you know, a gorgeous man to come and sweep you and make you who you want to be. You can do that from any level. No, yeah, I liked it. I don't know if it was like. It wasn't groundbreaking, but it definitely was fun to watch. I totally think, though, that this this short film should have been like this would have been like one of those things where I totally believe it could have been a commercial like a really really incredibly well done commercial for like a like and I'm even looking at like the cover it says um like I think that dress brand name is Mew Mew so it might have actually been like an advertisement for Mew Mew but I think this really could have been um dissected into different scenarios like I think like they easily could have made three separate um but similar continuation uh commercials with this and I think that would have been really good because it is it's nothing like incredibly new but I think it's important and I think it's important to see especially to young viewers agreed I liked it I enjoyed it it was cute I really like Agnes Varda I would love to meet her one day she seems like she would give really nice hugs and would just like hype us up, you know, for for do us doing us like with Purple Noon and stuff. I feel like she'd be like, I love it. Like, I think that would just be so cool to meet her. She could be the official grandma for Purple Noon. Oh my God. I love that idea. So what would you give uh, this short film a rating? Seven and a half. Okay. Um, I'm going to say seven, seven out of 10. All right. So, and that uh, that short film, uh, so the two short films that we talk about today are available on the Criterion channel. Just putting that out there. Love it. All right. Uh, and would you like to let us know about the second short film of the day? Yes. So the second short film we're reviewing is called Four Quarters. It is a Canadian short film. And the synopsis is, an overworked student is entangled in a wicked problem with trying to nurse a fledging friendship with a troubled young drug addict. And the director is named Ashley McKenzie, and it stars Andrew Gillis and Sophia Benaz. Mm-hmm. What do you think? This was a heavy short film. Like, we went from, like, very sweet, very, like, 
empowering film to like the exact opposite. Um, This film was rough, but I will say I've sadly seen way too many people in this position on either side of the position. You know, Um, you have this young college student who um, forms a connection with a drug addict and there's a huge like codependency between them. And even though that the college student may not need, you know, as much help as the drug addict, you can definitely tell like that he really cares about her and wants to be there for her and everything. Um, did you think that maybe he liked her? Okay, I did because of the ending. Yeah. Um, and I think this is probably one of my favorite short films we've seen. Ooh. Because you can tell this is a very personal experience from either the writers or the directors. Yeah. Like, you can tell this is something, like, they went through. Um, it was eerily, like, to the point where it's just, like, I thought it could be almost like a documentary. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the phone calls, there was one specific thing where she was just like, oh, hey, like, I won a $20 scratch off. Um, I was thinking I could just give you the scratch off and, you know, you can give me cash. And I thought that was really significant because, like, if you called me up and said that, I'm like, okay. Like, I would have not, like, like, yeah, if you want, that's fine. Yeah. But I think the director does a lot of little things like that, especially in the the woman's phone calls that just seem very realistic and things that probably have happened to her. Yeah, and and it really is, like, (laughs) it's not far from reality for most people at any sense of the way. Like I've seen students where whether they have a, you know, um, attending a community college and whatnot, I've seen people where they have family members who are drug addicts or they have, um, they've been in relationships, fallen out of relationships, but still have to look out for people who have gotten into drugs. And it it really is like, and, and that is honestly like already being a college student is so, tough like if you are not getting full ride scholarships it is and even if you are getting full ride scholarship like the mental toll you take just from being a college student like it is rough like I don't know why there's this notion where it's like oh yeah just go to college it's super easy no it's not as someone who's been in college since I was 16 years old I can tell you that whether it's in a grad school setting or whether it's in a small community college it's all the same. Like it's, it's still tough at the end of the day. Like, and that, and I say that, and I'm very fortunate to have been someone where I lived at home. And uh, for my first two years, I was able to get some scholarships and stuff like that to cover everything. But I've seen people where they, let's say they take classes, they want to take four classes because they don't want to fall behind, but they work full time. And, and then if you add any other outside, you know, any outside stresses, whether it be family, drugs, alcohol, things like that, like it really is tough to be a student these days, like incredibly tough. Yeah, for sure. And I think this portrays a side and I really just like the fact that they kept stressing that he was a student. Yeah. Like, he wasn't a nurse. He wasn't, you know, someone with a job and career and everything lined up already. He was a student looking after this girl. And it, it really is tough, but I, I I, do agree. It is one of the best. It's not my favorite. I, I still yeah. really like that um, that uh, Chinese short film we watched a few oh, months ago cool. about the missing girl. Yeah. Um, that one's still my favorite, but this one I would have to say is, like, easily top three. 
because it, it's just like watching it. You're right. It does feel very like a documentary for sure. So I know you mentioned before, if I thought like he liked her, I think maybe it was developing into that. You know what I mean? Cause I don't think he was taking care of her for the sole fact that he had a crush on her. Mm-hmm. It was clearly a mess. Um, but how do you interpret the ending? So the ending is basically he goes to his apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Thing with him, and he basically overhears her um, hooking up with a, another guy. Yeah. Like not that they ever hooked up, but she's hooking up with somebody. And the end is just a phone call from her, basically saying like, "Hey, like we haven't talked. Can you call me back?" So do you think like the final straw was because like he felt like this woman like was using him in a way. Yeah. And I think also like when you are watching over someone like that, you do feel like whether or not it is a crush or like whether or not you have attraction to that person, you do feel like coupled, you know, like I could totally see like, even if he didn't have a solid attraction, why he would be upset because he's doing everything for her. And here she is, and you know, like, not to shame or anything like that, but I can totally understand why he would be upset. Like, done. Yeah. Because it's also, it's like, it's in his place. Like, she's been using his things and stuff. And then that's right there, a boundary that's been crossed that can't be taken back, you know? Yeah. Like, if I was helping out a friend and stuff like that, and, like, if they were staying, like, on my couch, whatever it would be and stuff like that, I would expect them not to do that if it's a thing if they're living with me like living with me full-time paying rent and stuff like that then yeah of course but if I'm giving you a handout and if you're doing that in my home when I'm not there and like because also thinking about like if she's a drug addict who could this guy have been yeah like could this guy have been like someone who's gonna abuse her someone who would steal like you know just so many different variables And it it might not seem like to someone in her eyes, it might not seem like a big thing, but I could totally see see it carrying a lot of weight into him. But I do think, I still think there was a, a, like a caring to the point where it's like, yeah, I cared about you and I'm not, I haven't realized I've been liking you this time until that moment. Right. So, yeah, so I'm, it's, it's a raw film. Like that's really just how I would explain it. It's just raw. It's raw. It's real. And it, it's done extremely well. I'm surprised it doesn't have more traction because like it literally only has seven views, like seven reviews on IMDb. And I believe it deserves a lot more than that. For sure. I'd actually like to see something like this as a full length film. Oh my God. That would be a rough movie to watch, but yeah, for sure, it would be great. It would be absolutely fantastic. Um, but it it would definitely be a doozy to watch. Oh, yeah, I know, for sure. What do you give it? Like, what score? I give it a nine. I'm going to give it 9.5. I really liked it. I liked the directing. I liked a lot of scenes in it, how it was filmed. Yeah. And I thought the acting was really good. Oh, it was, for sure. All right. So now we're getting to the real meat and potatoes of this podcast. Your and we're going to be talking about my favorite Steven Spielberg film. You know, the classic. The only Steven, where if if Spielberg were to like lose all his film archives, but if this movie still stood, he would still be a legend. And I'm talking about <gasps> Poltergeist. 
<laughs> so Poltergeist is a movie that came out in 1982. Um, surprisingly PG, but we'll get into that later. And it's about a family home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts. It is directed by uh, Tobe, uh, Toby Hooper, who is also Hooper or Hopper, maybe Hopper, um, who also directed um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. And it is written by Spielberg. And it is stars Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams, Beatrice Strait, Dominique Dunn, Oliver Robbins, Heather O'Rourke. And Richard Lawson. Oh, and Zelda Rubenstein. Can't forget Zelda Rubenstein. So you've seen this movie before, but since you rewatched it, do you have a new, like, a new look on it? Has your opinions on the film changed or anything? Um, I think it kind of just reinstated this idea that this film, like, really did start, like, the paranormal wave. For sure. Oh my god, there would be no paranormal activity if it wasn't for poltergeist. Exactly. They kind of... And I, I'll, I'll even say, like, I, I don't even think paranormal activity, like, holds candle. I don't think... <laughs> no. I don't like those movies, so I say no. Absolutely not. I've seen the majority of them because, you know, I was a teenager and that was, like, what was going on at the movies. But I don't think there is another paranormal movie that is even in the same league. I think this is the paranormal movie. I think this is the only one that is worth watching and is good. You know, 1982 was like, I, I was, I looked at my mom, like, cause we were watching this together. I was like, 1982 is my favorite cinematic year because not only yeah. did this movie come out, but the thing came out too that year. There was just, oh, man, there's just something about 1982 and fun facts. That's, uh, I wrote a, um, yeah, I remember. A, the gathering, a, uh, an audio drama I made that stars both me and Savannah. <laughs> Check it out. Um, <laughs> It actually takes place in 1982. So uh, eight, 1982 is just a good year. I didn't get to live it, but I'm telling you right now, it was a good year. <laughs> sure. Like people got to see Poltergeist and The Thing for the first time. How could it not be a good year? <laughs> but I love this movie. And you know what? When I watch this movie again, I actually realized like, oh, this isn't just a movie I like. Like this is top 10 movie. Like, okay. I, I realize I'm like, this is something that has, like, a profound effect on me. And I think it's just so well done in every aspect. Like, I cried harder during this movie than the last time I saw it. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. How, how is this happening? Like, <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. So, I, I can go on and on and be like, I love it, I love it. But Savannah, let's talk first. Let's let's dissect this and I analyze this film truly. Um, let's start with the acting. What did you think of the acting? I think where this movie stands apart, even in the horror genre, is they have a very good family dynamic. Yeah. Um, the couple in the movie, you like worked so well had chemistry you you I would have believed if they were married in real life mm -hmm. and in the family in general I thought was very insane uh I think they're great performances um all around the board I think everybody did great obviously Heather O'Rourke is the star great child actress R.I.P but I think she definitely 
stands alone a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I again, I'm a big fan of the mom and dad too. And of course, uh, Zelda, right? That's her name? Yeah, Zelda Rubenstein. Who, fun fact, so I found out a crap ton of really cool trivia and also really crazy trivia about this movie. Um, so Zelda Rubenstein, you know, she's the woman who goes, all is welcome. You know, that, that yeah. part. Um, I, I love doing that impression of her. I do it way too often. Um, but she apparently, the reason why she got the role is because she's a psychic in real life. Really? Yep. <laughs> they were like, why do you want the role? And she's like, well, I am a psychic. And they were like, okay, <laughs> like you got it. Like <laughs> she, she claimed to be clairvoyant like her character was. And which I think is just really cool. Um, and, and so there's that. But there, there's also so since we're talking about acting, um, do you have you heard about the poltergeist curse? I have. I've oh, heard. Okay. Do you know anything about the specifics? Because I I know everything. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I know everything, but I did hear like some spooky stuff went on. Yes. So when I like growing up and stuff, like when I would hear people talk about poltergeist, like I would hear people go like, no, I can't watch it. Like that movie's cursed. Like everyone died and stuff like that. Well, first of all, not everyone died. Um, but so the reason why people, so the, the reason why people have speculated that there was a curse and why there would be a curse is not because of an actual demonic ghost or haunting the set or anything, but you know, the pool scene. Yeah. Where she's in the pool and it's like all muddy and stuff, and then skeletons start popping up. Um, yeah, those were real skeletons. Ew. Those so were what? real skeletons from like uh, you know, from like a, a medical center. Um, it, like cadavers. Oh my god. Yeah, like and I think I might be wrong. I think the prop director was fired after that, but cause she, um, the actress, uh Joe Beth Williams when she was in that pool and stuff and these skeletons started popping up, she got like a really bad feeling and was like, I don't like how these skeletons look. They look too realistic. And that's when, um, the, the prop person said, I actually, those are real. I I got them for real cheap. And was like, what? So all the ones that are in the water are real. That's really upsetting. I feel very bad. So that is why people, that's why people believe that a curse was initiated. Um, But so Heather O'Rourke sadly passed away at the age of 12. Um, People think she died from filming the third Poltergeist movie, but she actually passed away. She had severe Crohn's disease and she had a blockage after filming the third movie shortly after the filming wrapped up she developed a blockage in her intestines it caused a lot of issues and she ended up passing from away from a heart attack due to it so she had a huge system but a huge system failure and stuff like that very devastating and then the sister in this movie like died two days after the premiere of the film Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Her boyfriend killed her <gasps> in real life, like after the movie was released. That's extra cute. That's really creepy. I understand why people <laughs> don't really want to watch the But movie. everyone else, and then the, there was on set a close call where um, the, the boy who played Robbie, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's the one who gets like swallowed up in the tree and stuff like that. It was actually during the clown scene 
where the clown is like choking him and stuff, but the prop wrapped way too tight around his neck. So when it, it took them a while to realize that he was actually being choked by the prop because they thought like they were like, oh yeah, just ad lib it, just, you know, pretend and stuff. And so he started, you know, like after about five seconds, he started going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And Spielberg thought it was just him going to the character but then when they looked at him he was turning purple so they literally like ripped the prop off of him and stuff like that but it was a very very close call like with that prop it it, it just i don't know like if maybe like the mechanism that was like because it does wrap around his neck like the arm of the toy yeah. so it might have just it, i think it just malfunctioned and just constricted way too tight that's crazy yeah, so that's why there's – but, I mean, look, everyone else, if they no. did pass away, they um, passed away from uh, natural causes aside right. from the, the two young ladies. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also one more. Before we get into, like, directing and writing and all that stuff, there's another – because I really got into the nitty-gritty of trivia for this movie because there's a lot. So um, – the guy who plays Ryan, his name is um, Richard Lawson. He's the guy where um, he's the the actor when um, they're pulling the girls through the roof. He's on the other side. Like, he's the one that catches the ball and stuff like that with the old lady. Okay. Okay. So, after the movie, he was actually involved in a plane accident where half the people died. He oh lived. However... Someone recognized him from the movie. So he was in a seat and they were like, hey, man, I would love an autograph. I'm like willing to trade like my first class ticket for an autograph. And he goes, you know what? Yeah, why not? So he swapped seats with the guy. The, the guy who he swapped seats with passed away in his original seat. <gasps> wow. So he got like luck, like luck on his side. I mean, I can also imagine like a sense of like huge – like guilt. like what if and stuff like that and guilt but i thought that was crazy like it was a, like a pass like a plane with 57 people like 27 of them died that's horrifying so there was that but then also that's beyonce's stepdad what yeah like as of like 2015 he married beyonce's mom that's the best news <laughs> <laughs> that's Beyonce's stepdad I was like what like because I was reading trivia about it I love that I know like what what a crazy like what a crazy little trivia I, I thought that was really really cool so all right so we talked about um the the acting acting is superb fantastic um now let's get into the writing so as you said, it kind of pioneered like the whole paranormal activity field, like that drama. Yeah. I think just overall, I think Spielberg is a better writer than director because he okay. really like pioneered a lot of different genres of film. Like, yeah, he put like Jaws, like the whole like shark movie thing is because of him. That's the whole um, like paranormal activity sequence and field is due to him. I think for a horror movie, this has some brilliant writing. And I mean, I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but my opinion on Spielberg is he's a fantastic adventure 
director, adventure writer. And this kind of, not that it's considered an adventure. I mean, I guess so, but it kind of segues into that. So it's beyond a horror film, I believe. With all everything that happens in this movie, it is truly beyond one genre. Right. So I I think we can agree that he's fantastic in this specific element. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with doing and being like the pioneer of all of these different like fields of like genre and stuff like that, I think it also gives him so much room to play around with, like with Jaws and like him doing the huge animatronics and as well as this movie, like Poltergeist, like all those like paranormal activities, they rely on simple, like, you know, like they'll do like some like Insidious, like a movie like Insidious, they'll do like makeup and costuming, but everything else is just kind of... I don't know, like very low level stuff compared to poltergeist. Like we see ghosts, demons, skeletons, like five different kinds of demons in this movie. I think horror and specifically paranormal stuff, like, well, I guess this specific movie, Mm -hmm. you can't afford to be lazy. It's not like nowadays where you can just throw in like jump scares and like a monster and like screaming and noises and, and music. I think that's what kind of is the huge difference between now and then is the fact that like, if you're going to make a horror movie, you can't be lazy. And this movie has scenes and events one after another. And I think one of the best aspects of this film is that it, what feels like an ending happens midway. Exactly. Like we feel like, okay, like it's been rest. This was a good movie. And then it completely turns around. Like we thought we saw everything and then it completely turned around. And like the second part of the movie where, you know, they stay at the house for one more night and Carol Ann is back. It really just took everything to a level 10. And we already thought we were at a level 10 with everything. Like with that creepy face that pops out, like the, the giant skull that pops out through the doorway and stuff. But no, we got a lot more in the end. Um, I, I think that's one of the reasons like why, like there's just so many iconic scenes within one movie. And I think my favorite part about the movie is that when you read the plot, it's like, oh, a family is haunted because their house was built on a native American burial site. And you're just like, this is going to be stupid. And it's actually amazing. Like the special effects in this movie are impeccable. Even now, if you look at some of the things that were done. Like with the woman that was like on the wall, like the mom, yeah. right? The mm-hmm. Mom or the sister? It was the mom. It was the mother. Yeah. Things like that. They're just, to this day, what, 40 years later, still hold up. And it was crazy too, because like it went from her climbing all around the wall. And keep in mind, like that set, like, yeah, like that trick has done before. Like, and there's two tricks in this movie that have been done before. Um, like that whole, like the climbing on the wall and stuff like that. This was the first time we actually saw it in a horror element. We saw it before with, with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and stuff like that when they were dancing and stuff like that. But it also just like, it floored me how they literally took every prop in the room that we saw in the beginning of the film and like glued it down and stuck it. Even the drapes don't even move. And keep in mind, like they build like a hundred foot, like giant set to have this thing rotate in. And it, it really is just impeccable, but you go from that. And then you go from the, the vertigo secret, like sequence, you know, like when she's walking down the hallway and it seems short, but long at the same time. That trick was is called the vertigo shot because it was used by Alfred Hitchcock in Vertigo yeah. when the man is going down the stairs. 
Right. So, like, and just then the door opens up. And then there's that white little demon angel thing, right? Like, it just one <laughs> after another. Like, it's it's unrelentless. And it, it really, or really just relentless. I don't know why I said unrelentless. But it just keeps going and going and going. And, like, the last 45 minutes of the film are absolutely, in my opinion, like, impeccable. Like, everything is just so, like, so far out there. So far out from what you could ever think of, you know? Right. And I have a question for you since this is one of your favorites. Yeah. This movie, if you look it up, it's not known as one of the greats. It's known as this, like, cult classic. Yep. Like, it has a very loyal fan base but it's not known other than that why do you think that is because obviously me and you like have a different opinion you know I think you I think because like if we're looking at horror like when people think of horror people think of Halloween people think of you know different other types of pioneers when it comes to different fields of horror but I think at the end of the day this doesn't have um a lot this doesn't have any jump scares and I overall just think this movie wasn't as like because I think also like keep in mind like because of the the actress's death and stuff like that I could totally see how that hindered you know the release of this movie um I I just don't think it had a huge opportunity back and and, like same thing with the thing like even though like people now will consider like it's thing is not number one but people even though it's my number one but the people won't put (laughs) the thing is number one it'll be like top 10 like this will probably be like top 15 but and it's still like at the bottom edge of the barrel because they didn't have like the massive you know like uh, it it didn't have the the masses of like crowds and stuff like that in the beginning it didn't gain that much popularity in the beginning it took time it took dvd sales and stuff like that for to happen it's like how Halloween, everyone saw Halloween when it came out, the first one. Everyone saw Friday the 13th when it came out. All of those were like blockbuster hits, whereas The Thing and Poltergeist suffered immensely in the beginning, and it wasn't until it became a cult classic. Plus, I also think it's, you know, things like the Poltergeist curse and stuff like that probably deviated a lot of people from watching it. I can see that. Yeah, so, but I I think this film is just chef's kiss. Like, that is how I view this film. Just, chef's kiss. Um, With that being said, like, there's so many different scenes in this movie that are just so great. What are your top three sequences of this movie? Like, top three, like, scenes. Hmm. I mean, I really like the last, what is it, the last 45 minutes? Mm Mm-hmm. Any scene with Zelda, I like. I yeah. enjoy her presence in the movie. Um, if I had to pin it down, it would probably be with the with the you mentioned it the white demon thing. Yeah, that there's the the head that pops out um, when they're pulling the rope. There's that one, and then there's also like the giant like you actually see the body of it. And fun fact, when it roars, that's actually the the Metro Goldwyn Mayor lion. That's like, you know, in all the beginning, that's the same roar. I love that. He made an appearance. I I did like that because I feel like it was, even though it happened multiple times, I do feel like those were like peak moments of like horror right there. 
when you finally see what's going on. Yeah, I, I think because it's also like, because, you know, Zelda's character says, like, it is the beast. That's yeah. not how I imagined the beast. That is slightly more terrifying than how I imagined the beast. Exactly. And I think that's why. Um, it, it's not like some red, mo- like, it's not like some red, you know, cartoonish monster or anything. Like, it genuinely was terrifying. And even, like, I, I think also the fact it's, like, it really is just, like, wow. Like, they they really did build houses on tombstones and graves and, and things like that. Too. Yeah. By the way, you know what? I, I love, you know me, I have an affinity for men with Native American affinity. So I love the fact that it was just like, it, it, how fitting for Thanksgiving, the fact that it was a Native American <laughs> gravesite too. Our Thanksgiving episode. Uh, but um, I, I just, so, okay. So there's the, the, the two B scenes are actually just iconic. And then would you say like the, the room sequence like when the the she's going all around the room and stuff like that uh i'd have to actually say the vertigo one. Oh yeah that's such a good shot i enjoyed how they did that not that the room one wasn't fantastic it's iconic but i did enjoy a little bit more how they shot the vertigo so the way that is filmed is so that hallway was it's not the original hallway it really is just a long hallway an extended version of the hallway and what you do is as you are running closer and you're tracking the camera forward you're simultaneously zooming out so Mm. it's pulling the background and like i think what they did was go in between zooming in and out so it gives the sense that like this door is moving closer and farther closer and farther away um but I, I, that's such a good scene. I, I think the, and like these actors just worked their asses off, like yeah. with Joe Beth in the pool, like and her just getting all muddied and things like that. Like that's tough. And then even like when they're, um, I, and I still don't know how they did this. Like when they, when after she's running in the hallway and she opens up the door and she just goes flying in the air in the doorway and the kids are all just flying too like i wondered how they did because it's a lot of force like you can just see like oh like it's not just strings and stuff like that like there had to be some mega fan just blowing against them that just really like i think it's just so it's a i think it's just so good i can't keep praising it any higher um I'm trying to think what else. Man, Heather Rook had me crying so many freaking times during this this time when I watched it. She's adorable. Can we talk about how like it's also a successful tearjerker? Like the part where like the mom is crying because she's like, she ran through my soul. I'm like <laughs> trying not to cry in the corner. And even though I've seen this movie like 12 times. It has many layers. The film has many layers for and sure. I, I think also this whole like there's not a lot of movies where, because there's like, okay, you have like things like Insidious and stuff like that, where it's like, my child and, you know, has been haunted or, you know, whatever it is. Whereas this one is like, don't touch my babies. And it's just <laughs> full throttle. And I appreciate that. It gives a sense of realism. I don't feel like in all these other po- like paranormal films where it's like, 
my daughter is haunted. Like no one's like, get out of my kid. Like they're just all like, baby, come back. Everyone's like scared of their kid in a lot of these movies. Oh, I wouldn't. If my no, man, it, I it, this is really like, and when you can look back at this, like, and compare all the other horror films that you've seen, in my opinion, this is like top. Like, it, it's just so much. It goes beyond the scope of a horror movie. If you want a good paranormal movie, this is the only one. It really is. Like, really okay, is. if you want like to have like a fun time insidious and you know do all this uh, paranormals and stuff like that but if you actually want like top 10 like the best of the best of the best this is it i agree this is it um i'm trying to think if there's any other coolio fun facts about the film oh what did you you know what used to terrify me growing up so i actually have deep-rooted connections to this film because one i would love this movie as a kid but there was one scene i could not watch and that was the scene where the guy, even though it was cheesy, I, it still made me so uncomfortable to see it. And it's when the guy is like ripping off his face. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah. So that used to terrify me as a kid. And then when we see that weird like little like the 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 giant like demon thing, like the white demon thing in the doorway and we see the full body. I remember I had seen like the movie like six times at this point. I was like, mom, what is actually that supposed to be? And my mom's like, that's the devil. That's the dark angel. And it was the first time I ever had sleep paralysis. And guess what <laughs> I saw in the corner of my room? That thing. That is like the scariest thing. I, I'm so sorry. there's also i will okay one more thing about this film that really sticks with me is a lot of the sounds used like Mm -hmm. and a lot of like the way like the kids and the parents expressed emotions like audibly like the the noises stick like the the one part where the the son is crying in front of the tv and he's going like like you know like it, it those like there's a lot of like sound bites within here that just have that like even thinking about it could make give me chills because it, it's just so well acted and like even yeah. the audio because usually like you don't really unless it's got like a good soundtrack you don't pay attention to audio much in a horror film or unless like footsteps are being used and you know that type of stuff but even like I, I always thought that was so like crazy. Like that used to get my my anxiety going when he would just be in front of the TV going like Carolyn, Carolyn, like stuff like that. Um, and then no, also movie is well acted immensely. And then there's also one part. It, it actually it's a noise I hear a lot in my dreams because I'm messed up psychologically. Um, so you know the part where Carolyn we kind of hear her and she's like mommy, mommy, and then you just hear like heavy footsteps like someone chasing her oh okay oh that that there's something about the way that was made that has stuck with me like I recently had a dream where I was in terrifying dreams so unrelated unrelated to poltergeist but I had a dream I was hanging out with someone and it was like a youtuber I don't know why but they were like, oh, I'm going to start getting ready to bed. And they went upstairs inside this house. And then I hear this blood curling scream and they run down the stairs and they just scream someone's in the house. And because I, I then I turn my head and I hear the exact same like that rough 
rumble footsteps going. And I woke up the minute I heard that and I was just so terrified. But it was like verbatim, like the same footsteps I heard in that movie. So when I was watching it, I was like, ah, like I was like, oh God, that was the same stuff I heard in my dream. That's crazy how your brain like stores that and then uses it against you. Like, <laughs> it's a whole nother form of self-deprecation. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so like I, I vividly like remembered hearing those noise and stuff like that. And even like one of the crazy things too, I had a little toy growing up and it was this little bunny rabbit that like when you hit its foot, it would say a <laughs> prayer it's the prayer it's they literally used heather o'rook it's her prayer in the beginning because like i remember like like listening to it and i was like oh that's cool and then i watched poltergeist i'm like that's that's her how How? i don't know because it literally is the same one it was this little bunny little figure thing and when you hit its foot it i swear it was heather o'rook can you imagine the company that made that? It's like, what sound are we going to use? Yeah, Poltergeist. The thing from Poltergeist. Just put it in there. No one's going to know. And then like, here you come with your, all your so knowledge. So crazy. Like, it was so, like, and I like, and I got a good ear for that stuff. Unless it was a kid that just happened to sound, like, straight up, like Heather O'Rourke. Like, it, I remember listening to that and going, I'd be like, is that, like, it's being, like, seven years old and going, is that the girl from Poltergeist? <laughs> Like, so I, like I said, I have a lot of deep rooted connections to this film. A lot of trauma. (laughs) But I love it. I love it. I really do. All right. What's your, what's your rating for the movie? No, you go first. (laughs) 10. 10 out of 10. Easy. 8.7. 8.7. Okay. Just for the fact that for me, it doesn't have a personally i i don't horror movies in general i don't watch very often i watch maybe once or twice a year just for the fact that they're horror movies that's gotcha i give it a nine because that's really the only thing i have okay i think what what really resonates with me is that this is one of those movies where it's like if i had a chance to remake it i would literally pull a oh my god what was it oh 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 Wes uh, Thomas Anderson I forgot his name the guy who made Goodwill Hunting I would literally pull what he did with Psycho and just do everything shot for shot why did that happen by the way he had too much oh Gus Van Sant it was Gus Van Sant my bad he just had you know it's just the studio was like you made a banger what do you want to do and he's like I love the movie Psycho I want to remake it shot for shot can you imagine? I get it, though. Like, I get it. If I was given that opportunity to, like, I would choose probably Poltergeist or maybe even, like, Valley of the Dolls or, like, something. I would totally want to oh, do that. Valley of the Dolls, yes. I think it would be so much fun to do that. To do, like, something that you really love and do it shot for shot. I wouldn't touch Godfather. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch the thing. I just couldn't. But, like, something like Poltergeist and Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, yeah. So those are the, because I think the fact that they are, like, cult classics and they're not as well known, I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely. And you could do it. You would, you and you, they would be bangers, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think I could do a really good job on, I mean, look, studio, look, we're getting views now, people. One of you guys got to be a studio executives. So 
Um, if you need to fill up a Puerto Rican demographic, email, <laughs> here I am. But um, I promise you, I will give you the good content. I'm officially making myself your manager. You didn't ask, but I'm giving myself the job. Congratulations. You got it. Thank who you. else am I going to hire? I don't know. I don't <laughs> who else Who? Who else could I not pay <laughs> to do the job? <laughs> Literally, all you would just have to do is be my groupie and I would bring you everywhere and you'd be like, you don't have to pay. No, I'd, I'd just cover your room and bill. I'd make your lunches and your schedule. <laughs> And tell people you're not available. You know those TikToks where it's like, this is me making my gamer boyfriend his snacks. That's going to be you. <laughs> you're like, this is me making my director best friend her favorite snacks. <laughs> and it's yeah. just going to be Pad Thai. It's going to be like Oprah and that friend she brought around everywhere. That's yeah. <laughs> Gail. Yeah. You Gail should know Gail by now. She's the new anchor she's made a woman of herself she's she's popular now i forgot her name (laughs) gail but gail what a slap in the face to gail no i'm like oprah's friend i beat the gail in this situation (laughs) no i'm just saying like what a slap in the face to gail no gail you know what she she's her own woman she's got her own money good for her love her yep that's also a really cool flex to be like a news anchor and be like, yeah, so my friend, yeah, <clears throat> Oprah <laughs> believes in this. And then like just moves on to the conversation, like to something else. Yeah. That's my life's plan at this point. <laughs> All right. So let's give a little sneak peek to what we're going to be talking about next on Purple Noon. So, um, so just a fair warning, the episodes might be a little spaced out because, uh, we are approaching finals. So I love that. Um, so we're still continuing, uh, with our last, uh, Spielberg week and we're going to get its two full length movies. We got Close Encounters of the Third Kind and another banger from Spielberg. And that is Artificial Intelligence. Oh God! I if I thought I cried during Poltergeist, I'm going to sob like a little baby during AI. It's been I like ten years since I've seen now. it. You know what's crazy? You know how like you know how I always talk about AI, <laughs> and like I recall everything of that movie. Meanwhile, it's been like over ten years since I've last seen it. You need a refresher. I, th- there's a lot of emotional trauma I'm going to be I I already just unpacked so much emotional trauma with Poltergeist there's going to be so much more with AI we're going to unpack it next week or whenever we record it really we're going to unpack all of it it's not even going to be a Spielberg review anymore <laughs> a look to what these movies did to you so. oh my god maybe okay <laughs> yep Yep, maybe that's... Have you noticed the movies that have messed me up the most psychologically are, like, the ones I keep going back to? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So then after uh, we talk about uh, those two movies, we're then going to stop. We we end Spielberg week, and we get into... So hopefully by the end of the year, here are some movies that we're going to be talking about. We have The 47 Ronin Part 1 and 2. The OG, not the new one. Not the new one. Um, <laughs> we also have, we're also going to be doing a nice little comparison between Kill Bill 
and Lady Snowblood. And Hi. then, hopefully, by the time uh, Savannah's birthday appears, Hi. we're going to be doing three bangers. I'm talking Goodfellas. I'm talking Some Like It Hot and The Irishman. Ooh. Gangster week. Yeah. Oh, man. When are we going to do that? That's going to be the longest episode ever. I just realized, like, when are we going to do Godfather? Oh, should okay, but the thing about Godfather, or is it gonna be like a three part series or we're just gonna bang it out? I feel like we have to do what we did with um Twin Peaks and just bang it out in one go and just have like a two hour episode. Yeah, just a psychological evaluations of all the characters, plot. Yep. All of it. Yep, yep. Wow. Okay, I'm adding that to hopefully we can get to that before uh January, maybe, or at least before we start school again. But um, as always, uh, thank you. We got to give two shout outs to Homeboy James and to Sensei David. Um, These are two amazing fellows who have supported us for the longest time. We thank you guys so much for your continued support. And if you would like to be thanked, whether you be given a cool nickname or, you know, just call you want us to call you your by your Christian name. um, (laughs) uh, We have a new Patreon deal where it is a dollar a month and there's 30 like seats available. And essentially for a dollar a month up until, you know you stop paying and you just one dollar we you get a shout out every single episode like how um sensei david and uh i almost said king james well it wouldn't be wrong uh yeah king james homeboy james who whichever it's synonymous really um but yeah so you should check that out the link is down below um and yeah any last remarks savannah get into the holiday spirit give a dollar Oh, and also I should preface, (laughs) I also should preface that like, yeah, like we do have our schedule up, but me and Savannah kind of sort of did enter a competition to be able to review like 25 Christmas movies for $2,500. So, oh, reviews.org, if you're listening to this, hi, it's us, Purple Noon. We would really love to be a part of that. Um, and we would use the money to help Purple Noon. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> if we get selected or at least one of us, our entire schedule is going to be wiped and it's just going to be nothing but Christmas movies. I'm sorry, guys. That's just how it goes. You know, that's just the way of the land. Yeah. So you could either get a bunch of different movies or Christmas. You're either going to get Gangster, Mafia, and Samurai, or just 25 straight Christmas movies. I mean, it's a win-win either way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And remember to subscribe. And happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Bye.